Welcome to another episode of the SaaS Podcast. I'm your host, Omar Khan, and this is the show where I interview proven founders and industry experts who share their strategies and insights to help you build, launch, and grow your SaaS business. How do you market and sell a SaaS product that your prospective customers don't even know they need? These customers aren't searching for your product or any product like it, but if they knew that your product existed, they'd probably buy it. This week's episode is a story about two guys who were in just that situation. They were running a services business and helping their clients with software projects. And they kept hearing the same question, are you looking to sell your online business or buy one to start your entrepreneurial journey? Discover exciting opportunities with Bupos.com. Bupos is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses and the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers. At Bupos.com, you can explore their exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. Bupos can offer pre-approved financing for recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding with no personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash Bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next deal. Is your team struggling with spreadsheets that can't keep up with your workflows? It's time to switch to Jotform Tables. Jotform Tables is an all-in-one workspace that lets you collect, organize, and manage data seamlessly. Not only can you create online forms to gather data directly in Jotform Tables, but it also serves as a powerful tool to manage and analyze the data collected from your existing Jotform forms. You can also import spreadsheets or enter information manually, and all your data is stored securely in one place. Jotform Tables makes collaboration a breeze. You can share your tables with a single click and work with your team in real time. Say goodbye to version control issues and hello to efficient teamwork. Get started with Jotform tables for free today at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Hey there, SaaS founders. Are you looking to grow your B2B SaaS business to the first million in annual recurring revenue? I've got something that can help you. Introducing the SaaS Club newsletter, your weekly source of proven strategies, practical insights, and exclusive interviews with successful B2B SaaS founders who have been in your shoes and are ready to share what they've learned. Each week, you'll get a quick five-minute read delivered straight to your inbox full of growth tactics, lessons learned, and insider tips to help you tackle those early stage challenges and grow your business to seven figures and beyond. So what are you waiting for? Head over to sasclub.io slash newsletter and join over 4,000 other SaaS founders and entrepreneurs who are already using these insights to grow their businesses. Subscribe to the SaaS Club newsletter today and get the support you need to keep moving forward on your SaaS journey. From their prospective customers over and over again, how much does it cost to build an app? It was taking their sales team a lot of time to answer this question. So they built an interactive tool and put it on their website. Then they started customizing the tool so their clients could use it on their websites. And that's how a new SaaS product and business was born. But marketing the SaaS product beyond their clients proved to be challenging. No one was looking for a solution like this. So they had to figure out how to reach new customers and help them understand that they needed this product. There are some great lessons here on customer development and we explore how to market a product that no one is looking for. So I hope you enjoy it. Today's guest is the co-founder of Outgrow, a platform that lets marketers build and launch interactive calculators and viral quizzes 
that help engage your website visitors and generate more leads. Outgrow was founded in May 2016 and is based in New York. The company has been bootstrapped from day one. Previously to launching Outgrow, my guests worked in venture capital, private equity, and at startups in financial services, transaction processing, and machine learning. So today, I'd like to welcome Randy Reyes. Randy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Omar. Now, let's talk about you, what gets you out of bed every day. Um, it's my icebreaker. So what is it for you? What, what uh, drives and motivates you to work on your business every day? Sure. Um, that's a great question. I think it's, um, it changes as you develop as an entrepreneur. Um, I think right now, like at this point, it's obviously being able to train and ma- train and uh, support your employees, help them grow, um, and, uh, and to help facilitate your customers. Those are like the kind of the day-to-day grind stuff. You know, you're helping your customers grow, you're helping your employees grow. And then, um, so that would be like my short term, the way I look at it. And then from the bigger picture, the way I like to look at it is that, you know, we're helping um, marketers really uh, adapt to this transition that's happened over the last, you know, five, seven years uh, in, in the way we market to customers. And we're kind of really helping them change from this kind of, you know, purely advertising based mentality to a more um to a more helpful uh, and value-added approach to marketing. So like we'll help you, we'll acquire your lead information, but we're going to help you through the process. And I think that's a kind of a, a great way uh, for marketers to um, to look at the, their kind of role and uh, the fact that we're facilitating that and making it easier for them to do it without the technical skills they have. I think that's kind of like the bigger picture, which we like and we think is um, is kind of like a fundamental shift. For people who aren't familiar with Outgrow, can you explain to them a little bit more about the product. What are these interactive calculators and what are they designed to do? Sure. Um, so, you know, the, the quick kind of way to think about it is that instead of focusing mainly on selling to your customers and just advertising, right, you can augment your marketing by uh, trying to create an experience that helps the most common questions your customers have. So if you're selling app development services, you can tell them how much does it cost to build a mobile app that's going to help them a lot. Um, and so you, uh, you can build this calculator, which asks them a set of questions and provides them with an estimate um, that's not only useful to them, but now you have a lot of information. You have a much more qualified lead. And so what our tool does at Outgrow is it makes it easy for a marketer who's non-technical, who's not a professional designer, to create this experience and launch it without any uh, need for external help. Uh, and so that's kind of what the platform does in a nutshell. Where did the idea come from for Outgrow? Sure. So we have a, we have a second business called Venture Pact, and it's basically a marketplace for software services. And um, you know, in you know, five just a bit over five years ago, there were very very few companies that had mobile apps because it was just like a new platform. And um, we basically saw that, and we Venture Pact was a marketplace to connect people with development teams and to help them build mobile apps at the beginning, and then other things as well. And so what we saw was that so many people had this question, which is how much does it cost to build a mobile app? Uh, how much does it cost to build a web application? Um, you know, depending on, you know, so I built Android or iOS um, and web or kind of all these different questions that people would come to us with. So when we launched this experience, we launched this to just help them. So our salespeople weren't just repeatedly saying like, it depends, the cost of the mobile app depends. Here we would send them something automatically. They can do it on their own and get a pretty good estimate. 
And it became such a big lead source for us that we thought other companies should do it. And that was kind of like a marketing strategy, right? Um, even though it was a, something we built with a dev team, uh, it, was, it was a marketing strategy. And so that was, the, um, that was kind of how we came up with the idea. And then when it worked really well um, and the time was right and we were you know, sufficiently far along into the business where we thought we could kind of launch a separate product to, to, to make it easy for everyone to do it, that's when we, did, uh, that's when we started Outgrow. So that's kind of how it developed. So when did you realize that there was another business opportunity here? So I would say um, between two and a half to three years ago. So about three years ago, we were kind of starting to see that this is something that's interesting. Um, we just wanted to wait for a few things. One was it was working really well for us. Uh, you know, what does it work in other verticals? The second is uh, let's see kind of how this is going to be, how people, how receptive it is for other people. And the third is, do we, are we ready to, to kind of, you know, is venture pack late stage enough where we can kind of really um, have two products uh, at the same time? Because you can't, you can't start two products at the same time. It's very difficult um, to do that. So is venture pack far enough in the process that we could do that? So those are the three things we wanted to look at. So we were a bit patient at the beginning. Um, and then we, we started testing it with our, uh, with our venture pack customers um, uh, who were building uh, custom software. Uh, we started with the marketers on that platform, uh, trying to help get their, get, get their feedback and have them try it. Um, and when they uh, they had a kind of a good demand for it, they liked the concept. That's when we started to see that it, you know it can go beyond you know consulting or services based um, applications. That you can build a recommendation tool, you can build uh, an ROI calculator, you can build an estimator, you can build uh, a, uh, an outcome quiz or an assessment. Like there's so many different things you could build with these types of ex- experiences that can go beyond just that. The, the examples that worked well for us. Did Did you charge these customers initially, your your venture pack customers, for the product? Yes, uh, yes. So the reason we we the reason we could charge them was, I mean, they 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 had two options, right? They could either build this thing custom, and they were already paying a lot for other custom software projects with us, right? Uh, or they could uh, use outgrow and pay, you know, most of them are paying, you know, around anywhere from $45 a month up to a few hundred dollars a month. Um, so they could pay like a much more, uh, you know, favorable fee, um, than, than dishing out a bunch of cash on, on a custom software project. So, uh, we could charge them and we had that pre-existing relationship. So it was a bit easier for us, right. Giving that we had a, an existing network to acquire our first customers. So it, it was really a no-brainer for these guys, then, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. If people, right. If, if someone's willing to do this custom, right, then their, their, their willingness to do this um, as a product is, is kind of a no-brainer, right? Because you're, you're, you're just, there's, a, there's a couple of orders of magnitude cheaper in terms of cost, right? If you're, instead of paying 1000 or maybe, a, maybe an order of magnitude, instead of paying $1,000, uh, you would pay at least... 10,000 for, or, you know, around 10,000 for maybe one involved experience, you know? Um, so that's like a pretty big difference. And with the 1,000, you can build multiple, um, and you won't, don't have the back and forth going with the developer. There's a lot of benefits. So, uh, we thought it's definitely no brainer, but you have to also think about the types of companies that we were talking to, right? We're talking to innovators. We're talking to people who are ahead of the curve, who are thinking at that level. So as we, at the time, you know, as you go to other people, um, who aren't as um, aren't as experimental, aren't as comfortable, kind of uh, going ahead of you know be, being kind of ahead of the crowd. Um, then, then they're not as receptive, right? They're like, oh, like let's let's wait until all our like a good percentage of our competitors are like successful with it, 
and then we'll kind of jump on board and get it. So there is that second component as well. So I'm curious, in the first year of um, trying to build and grow, outgrow, um, what did you get any pushback or objections um, like like how you just mentioned from, from people? And um, did you have any surprises once Real, you know, real customers started using the product. Uh, yes, to both. Um, so the the first part, which is uh, pushback. So we have a lot of objections that will, companies will come back with, right? So um, marketers can object. So early on, uh, we didn't have many templates. So like design templates. And the reason it's so easy to use is because we have pre-existing design templates. So some companies will push back and be like, no, I want like more design templates, right? So that was like a things that are related to product. And we would basically say like, hey, we're going to build more. Obviously, this is kind of like a work in progress. We're going to continue to establish on that. But then there were more fundamental questions that people had was like, oh, like, okay, so we're going to launch this kind of our calculator. Uh, where should we, what should we do with it? Should we put it as a social uh, post? Uh, should we put it on our blog? Is it a piece of, is it like a content marketing strategy? Is it our advertising strategy? Is it a landing page? Is it... Uh, is it um, what happens if our blog doesn't have any that much traffic? So there's all these questions around um, positioning that we kind of didn't have fully figured out. So we didn't really know uh, for, for us, you know, the fundamental uh, calculators or quizzes, which are really core to your sales, uh, the, the sales process, you know, we'd make them separate experiences and those were clear. Um, but then for things that were more um, content based, that would be just like a blog post or a fun assessment. Um, the promotion strategy of like, oh, for this type of this, this type of experience, like this entertainment type of experience, it should be done on social. And this is kind of how it should be done for this business, for this type of consumer. Um, those types of things, we didn't really have a lot of data to optimize for. So we couldn't tell them, oh, like these types of people targeting consumers in these types of areas uh, saw a lot of success by doing this, right? Creating a fun quiz with this type of outcome page and promoting it in this way. Um, and using this template, right? So that type of data, we didn't really know exactly. So we, we had to tell them like, hey, like we have some data, but we really don't uh, have a lot of data on this. So it's gonna be really an experimentation process and we'll, we're happy to kind of work with you on it, um, but we don't know the exact answers to these things. So um, those are things that we had, to, uh, we had to handle early on. And so you needed people with an appetite for risk uh, for, for those things. Um, for your second question, around the first one was uh, did people push back and the second one was you had a certain set of assumptions when you went out there with this product but inevitably when when real people start using it they often come back with feedback that you didn't expect and so that's what I'm trying to get to is did you did you get those kinds of surprises in terms of feedback that that challenge your your assumptions or made you think differently or made you um, kind of change the course, the direction that you were taking with the product? Yes. Um, we got a lot of interesting feedback. Uh, we had, you know, a customer come to us and say they want to include it in their VR experience, right? They want to have kind of a VR experience and part of the VR experience to be have some sort of interactive piece of content and we hadn't done any 3d visualization or any kind of work in that space before um we had customers come to us and say like hey i don't just want this for myself but i want this uh, for my sponsors like sports brands they want it for their sponsors and their sponsors uh can create co-branded experiences right so it's not just me 
um, you know, XYZ sports team, it's XYZ sports team and the sponsor creating this kind of interactive piece of content. So how can we, um, how can we track um, an advertisement within the experience? So I might have, you know, seven questions. I want to put an ad between two and three and an ad between, you know, the last question and the results. How do I track it? How do I charge for it? So there's all these questions that we were like, oh, like that's not even like we were thinking more of like, oh, you're qualifying your lead through the questions and you acquire the lead data through the lead gen form. That was the way we thought about it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you certainly have people telling, thinking about this thing in the, these very different uh, perspectives and you have to decide these are all amazing ideas. Uh, but, you know, we're trying to figure out where to focus our energy. Uh, and so we could, you know, early on. We started off as a calculator, right, tool. And then we got a lot of feedback. They wanted more advanced recommendation type functionality, like to recommend what shirts you should wear and things like that. We got feedback to add more like outcome quizzes, uh, assessments, graded tests, all these things. But we took them in a strategic way. We didn't just like say, oh, we're going to build everything immediately. And we took them one by one. And as the feedback came on, we expanded. And so now you'll see all the different functionality. But we didn't roll out like that. So that was based on the feedback we got. And we chose, obviously, there's still a lot of feedback we've gotten that we haven't taken or we haven't got to yet. Uh, so it was actually very surprising because there was just an overwhelming amount of um, overwhelming amount of feedback on what we could do and what we should add and things like that. So as we said, you guys launched in May of last year. Uh, yeah, like a more publicly. Yeah, that was that was when we did, were more more public. Yeah. And so, how how long were you working on the product before then? Um, so that was what a year and a half ago. So just about. You know, I would say six months to a year before that was when we were doing our more like internally within venture pack type of testing. Okay. So we were just, so it wasn't like public, no, like uh, no non venture pack customer was kind of like using us or working with us. So it was mainly just the venture pack type people from our, from our other business. Got it. So let's call it like, you know, two years sure. that you've been kind of working on this. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the business has been bootstrapped from from day one um and you now have about three thousand paid customers yes. and these are people you, your plans on your website range from 25 dollars for a freelancer through to 600 dollars a month for for larger companies so yep. presumably you, you've got a mix of those people there and yep. the team you've grown to 40 people now yeah so yep. you know for a bootstrap business that's pretty rapid growth um now i want to talk a little bit about like what has driven that growth so you obviously had the existing customers uh, or the clients from venture pact to help you get some initial traction the feedback and, and so on but beyond that what what were the the strategies that really worked in helping you find new customers and grow the business faster? That's a great question. Uh, so you're right, definitely having that advantage of uh, seeding our early customers was, was a huge advantage because now we, we could say like, oh, we have some customers, we have some case studies, we have some reviews. Um, and so that, that was very helpful instead of kind of going out cold and saying like, Hey, we have zero customers, zero reviews. Can you use our platform? So that was kind of a definitely very helpful. The, uh, the second thing was we had a lot of experience with events 
so we had done events in the venture pack business. We had seen how events, what, what, which type of events work best for us. And uh, so when we went to do events for Outgrow, uh, we, were, uh, we were able to get an ROI much faster. So it took us about two years to really figure out what we were doing with events. Um, and then right, right from the first, first event, we were, we were kind of seeing, uh, we were closing deals from that. So our event strategy was, uh, we were just much faster in terms of executing on events. Um, and so that was a good channel for us. Uh, so we were basically saying, hey, this is something you're not searching for, you're probably not looking for, um, but this is why you should try it. Um, and most mar you know, marketers who come to events that are about you know, digital marketing or events that are about, more about kind of innovation and how you can improve the way you market uh, tend to have an appetite for trying these new things out. So that was a good strategy for us. The second thing we did was, so, we obviously are promoting this concept of kind of building interactive tools to help the customer and help, help the marketing team as well by qualified lead gen. So we wanted to, we run a lot of experiments with this. So you'll see a lot of like, you know, basically every week we're running different types of experiments. We'll run different types of uh, calculators or quizzes and we'll try to see uh, what works best uh, with, with a customer. How should we launch it? How should we promote it? Uh, and so we use a lot of that, uh, you know, our own product uh, to market ourselves and to help us acquire leads. And then when we send this to our salespeople, right, so we have kind of the integration, um, then it's a much kind of easier thing for them to do because now we can, our lead scoring is a lot better than just, you know, you have a name and an email, you have the answers to a certain set of questions, usually between four and eight questions, uh, in addition to name emails. So suddenly you're just, um, your ability to segment and lead score and prioritize is going to be much better. And so that's been helpful for us, for us as well in terms of being able to prioritize your energy and the salespeople are prioritizing their energy, so... Those are a few things that really kind of helped us early on kind of in, in, in our growth phase. Okay, so let's talk about the events. Um, can, can you give me an example of an event or a type of event that you have tapped into and what you did there to, to acquire customers? Sure. So the, the types of events that uh, we, we like to do are events that aren't massive. So we, we, the, the massive events are just kind of super overwhelming and they focus a lot on kind of the standard, the standard trends, right? Um, so like Facebook marketing and social media advertising and things like that. And it eats up a lot of the, the content. Um, and there's some events that are mainly content based events where you just have a sponsor put their logo. So those ones, we might do some of those, but those ones aren't the ones where we kind of will do many of. Um, but the types of events that work well for us are the types of events where there's a lot of time to meet the actual people at the event um, and where we're able to either give a speech or, connect, or, or meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so th those both do well. Uh, for us, the mid-market uh, marketers uh, do well. That's kind of like an area that resonates well with them in terms of speed at which we can close them, their interest, their ability to pay and things like that. Um, so those kind of tend to be a good area for us. And so we like to do those types of events. Uh, again, we will do some larger enterprise type events, uh, but those are just going to be longer payback periods. So you're not going to close a deal with a large enterprise usually in the first few months, um, you know, maybe not even the first six months. So it takes a lot of time to kind of get those close. So you got to have to, you have to have good expectations going into an event thinking, okay, this is when I'm going to be able to get paid back. So I would say the things that worked well with us in summer would be mid-market, Digital marketing, digital innovate, you know, digital marketing innovation, digital marketing, um, software, you know, te technical marketing or you know, techno market marketing technologies. Those types of titles 
which are a lot of there's a lot of new titles like chief digital officer that are coming up. Those types of type the events that focus on those types of people are good for us, um, and those are the ones we do well in. Number one, I guess, is like you know picking the right type of event, and through trial and error, presumably, you've got a lot more focused on what type of events work, exactly the kind of person you're looking for. And so you mentioned presentations. Uh, are, are, you, are you typically looking for an opportunity to go in there and do a presentation and, and presumably talk about marketing and, and some sort of link to outgrow in terms of how, how they can uh, uh, you know, acquire new leads? Or is it just the opportunity of being somewhere where you can network with people and have that one-on-one conversation to sort of effectively t- you know, tell them about your product? Yeah. So the, the reason I think the, the, the thing I want to qualify about this specific answer that I'm going to give it, the, the answer will vary by business, right? So for us specifically, Outgrow is a company that uh, is a type of product or type of experience that many marketers aren't actively searching for, right? So we have to first educate them in the concept, in the category, right? And then explain to them why they should use Outgrow specifically. So first get them excited, interested in the topic, and then say, this is why you should use Outgrow versus, you know, building it custom or, or, you know, not doing it at all. So those are kind of the three kind of things that we try to think about. It's like, okay, first, the main thing that people are doing is not doing it at all, right? And then some people are doing it custom and then they should use our product. Um, and so it's cheaper, faster, better, et cetera. So those are kind of, that's kind of the thought process we have. So the good thing about the talks, while they're very expensive, um, when we're able to go there and, and kind of educate them on the concept and on the category, then we've at least established some interest in the, in the category where they're interested in learning more. Uh, and so that part's important. Um, so then they're more excited to come to, our, uh, to meet with us and to talk to us afterwards, either during the networking parts or during the, the booth part or whatever, whatever, kind of whatever structure that event has. So I think those are the, that's why for us we do speeches. Now, I, I know some people who don't do any speeches and they've done well uh, at events, but I think the main reason is that they're not in a, the, the category has a bit more, is a bit more mature and there's a bit more education and knowledge kind of around how it works. Right. So if somebody was looking for, you know, if you're in a CRM business, you don't need to spend a lot of time educating people on what a CRM is and why they exactly. should use it, right? Whereas... With you, it's almost like a, a new category or a very unique category. And, and even though people might, they have the problem in terms of, you know, they want to figure out how to generate more leads. Yes. Um, something like Outgrow is not something that would automatically be top of mind when they're trying to figure out a solution. Exactly. That's, that's a perfect way to put it. Yeah. Okay, cool. And so let, let's talk about the other piece. You talked about, you know, leveraging your own product as a way to to grow. And I, I guess there are like probably two parts to that. Like one would be like using Outgrow um, and building your own, you know, calculators or whatever as a way to engage people and generate leads. And then uh, I guess the other one is the the built-in virality that comes with using a product. So every time somebody is using your product, there's an opportunity to, I don't know if you actually do this, I didn't notice this, but I I presume you're doing something like, you know, powered by Outgrow or something like that somewhere as a way to kind of spread the word as well. 
Yes, that's that's true as well. So um, I would so they're they're kind of the main is the main question around kind of how we execute on it and what what's worked, or on our A/B testing process because I think there's kind of two parts. Um, the A/B testing process is how we learn what works, and then the um, then what has worked is like what we what we kind of have found to be more successful. Are you an entrepreneur looking to buy a profitable online business or a founder ready to sell? Bupas is the number one platform for buying and selling profitable online businesses. With their exclusive listings, as well as listings from other marketplaces, and the option to submit your own deal for approval, Bupas has you covered. Plus, they're the first to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers of recurring revenue businesses, allowing you to access fast funding without personal guarantees. And their experienced M&A advisory team supports you every step of the way. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos that's sasclub.io slash b-o-o-p-o-s sign up today and get qualified to start your entrepreneurial journey or sell your business at the right valuation with bupos.com yeah i would say let's start with like first of all like give me an example of you know maybe a interactive calculator or a quiz or something that you guys are using yourself uh, mm. to generate leads um or sort of specifically things apart from like the powered by outgrow uh, are there other things within the product that you're using as a way to to get the word out um so that that i think will help us to understand the baseline and then beyond that i think you know i'd love to talk about the a b testing after that perfect perfect so um the types of things i mean so the standard thing that you'd start with is like what's the roi of using an outgrow software right so that's what the standard thing you would do in, in a b2b uh, setting usually you start with an roi calculator um the second thing you'd look at is um kind of how should you invest your digital marketing spend or how should you invest your content marketing spend so those are things we do experiment with we'd see kind of okay how much are you spending on static content like your blog um, how is that performing in terms of uh, in terms of the number of leads generated? And so most people will see like, okay, blog doesn't generate that many leads, but it might get some good visits, um, and it's good for SEO. Okay, then you look at eBooks. So how is eBooks doing in terms of leads and engagement? So when, uh, how many people download it? How many of those eBooks are sticking around and, and, and purchasing? And kind of what's that? Uh, how does that cycle look like? And so then with, uh, then we look at outgrow in terms. Okay, do you have you done anything in terms of interactive tools or tools that actually help the customer or more personalized tools? And then um, what, what numbers do you have for that? Most people will say, no, they have not. So then we'll be like, okay, so right now you're investing in kind of these main categories. And so how would it look if you were to invest in these categories as well? So how, and how much should you start with, right? And so we'd be able to tell them, hey, you probably should start with maybe, you know, uh, a basic investment if you're kind of still early or if you're later on in terms of your content marketing strategy, you can probably start with this type of uh, investment and at least try, try this, try this out. And so that, that would be a type of calculator where we look at, you know, you specifically look at content marketing. Um, and then we'll have things that are like uh, knowledge tests. So the way we like to look at it is a funnel. So we say, okay, people who are top of the funnel, we'll ask them like, how much do you know about um, lead generation? How much do you know about your uh, email open score, right? And so, and then we'd ask questions about email open score and how does email open vary based on the subject line and how to quiz based open uh, email subject lines very uh, improve your open rate or improve your click through rate if you have a fun quiz versus on an email so we have a bunch of these um, simple things that are more top of the funnel all right they're just kind of getting people uh, in thinking about this category and then middle and the bottom of the funnel things will ask things a bit more 
a bit more specific, right? So that would be ROI, that would be savings, that would be uh, advertising, investing across different categories, uh, landing page performance, um, how do you run A-B testing across your landing pages, uh, you know, social posts, uh, engagement on social posts specifically and how you can improve that. So those types of uh, calculators or quizzes would be um, more middle bottom of the funnel stuff that we would use. Um, and then the, to the second part, which is A-B testing, the way we think about that is we say, we're going to run a bunch of these, right? And so we'll also, we'll change, you know, how do you inc- uh, calculate the gain on increasing your blogging frequency, right? And then calculate the gain on increasing your ebook and calculate gaming. And so then we would try different uh, phrasing also within blogs, within ebooks, we try different ways of saying it. Instead of saying calculate gain, we would say like, uh, calculate boost, calculate lift, right? Um, you know, or then we may have it as a question, right? You know, uh, are you doing everything you can in terms of your uh, blog optimization? And then we'd recommend like, hey, this is how you can improve that. And so we would take a category, come up with a list of ideas, run experiments, and we would try to send them to relevant people. Um, so if someone took a top of the funnel experience and we saw them talk a lot about content marketing as a key driver for them, then we send them a lot of content marketing stuff. Uh, and then if it's social, and we try to send them more social type stuff. Um, so we, we, the, the key that we look for in A-B testing is um, the click-through rate on the email, the, op- uh, the open rates, the click-through rates, we look at the, uh, where they drop off within the questions on the, in the calculator quiz. Do they give us their lead data? Um, the accuracy of the information they're providing um, the lead, we have lead verification, so we can tell, like, do they first give a false email, and then because there's lead verification, do they then give a real email? Do they give the lead, real email at the beginning? Um, and then do they click the CTA on the results page? So we look at all these things, and so obviously if people do the whole thing, put the real email, and click the CTA, then they're engaged a lot. Can you give us an example of a customer who has used Outgrow and, and maybe describe, like, what kind of calculator they built and and sort of what sort of results they got from that and if you can't talk about company names or something like that that's that's no problem but I want to try and get a sense of sharing with uh, people listening like you know a a good example a case a sort of a mini case study of what somebody built and how it improved uh, their ability to generate more leads yeah sure that's a that's a really good question so I'll give you uh you know, two or three quick examples. So we had uh, basically a company, they're like an online book uh, retailer. Uh, they sell books online, right? So they're like the equivalent of Amazon. They're not like, they do something similar to Amazon. They're much smaller than Amazon. But So they basically sell books online. And so they had the idea of like, oh, let's kind of come up with different ways to recommend which book you should read next. And they created this and they promoted it on social. They promoted it on their email list. And they were able to generate within four or five months over 90,000 leads. And so it was a very successful uh, process. Now, the reason that worked really well was a few things. So a lot of people would say, look, let's just copy that. But they put a lot of thought into how the recommendation process was going to work and what questions they wanted to ask. So the first thing they did well. The second thing they did well was um, how they handled the lead gen form uh, and the sharing. So they really wanted to promote people, to, sh- to have people share the experience when they were done. Right, so not just kind of see the calculator and click on the link to get the buy that book. Uh, sorry, click at the click at the end on the results page. Not just buy the book, but also share it. And so they kind of came in with that strategy and um, getting that, getting the getting people to share it and having a fun results page uh, with a with a good recommendation 
is what got, is, is, is how it how it got free free extra visits, which got extra leads, right? Because otherwise you're gonna have to pay a lot to get that much traffic to get that many leads. Mm-hmm. And so you you know there is a luck component to it. You can't like guarantee that that many people are gonna like share it, right? You you don't know that going into it. You can't like oh I'm gonna build in automatic virality. You try to incentivize virality. You're trying to encourage it, um, but you're never sure. But that one it worked really well. Um, and they've done very well, obviously, kind of uh, in, in, in terms of uh, they've been very successful. It's kind of it was surprising even for us to see it grow that much. Uh, so that one was a great example. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of like fun examples that do really well. So like um, a, a, a one that did really well was uh, there's like two famous cricketers. One is Kohli and one is Tendulkar. And it was, are you a Kohli or a Tendulkar, Right. And that was like an engagement strategy for like universities to engage with high, with high school students and their own and their existing students. Sure. And so they um, they posted that, and it went you know it did like six seven x better organically than their than their paid posts, right? Uh, in terms of so they were basically focused on engagement and. Uh, their usual their usual click through rates and the usual engagements they have on a post, uh, they would probably get you know around thirty thousand uh, kind of click throughs, um, and without growth they got you know over two hundred thousand, right click throughs wow. and then engagement on the experience. So it was like a significant like uh, significant improvement in uh, in terms of engagement. So um, those are kind of two fun B to B B to C examples, um, and then I'll give you. Uh, a couple kind of good B to B to B. Um, so we had um, we we had kind of this kind of company that basically the launching uh, they were launching kind of this new product and they wanted to um, educate people in terms of why they would need that new product and so they created a um, the equivalent of a credit score for your data quality. So they had a data quality product that they were launching. Um, and they wanted to say, hey, we're going to create similar to a credit score for data quality. And we're going to ask these questions, like a very sophisticated tactic with a lot of math behind it. But so it took a lot of time to uh, really kind of hone in on how the math was going to work and how we're going to do the numbers. And, and sometimes this is, it's not like a trivial thing to do. But because they did it really well, um, it ended up doing uh, it ended up getting not only good, uh, good start rates, but uh, on the results, they got a lot of kind of requests for more information. And so you want to look at not just, oh, how many people are starting it, but when people finish, is they, are they interested in kind of seeing like, oh, like that's actually something that I, I should work on, right? So you'll get your score and you'll see like where you're lying and then what you can do to improve. And that what you can do to improve doing that well, which is using our conditional messaging feature, is really important. And because that's where you know as, a, as, the, as the business taking the experience, you're like, oh, they're not, they're not just telling me um, – what, that I'm like a B minus, you know, approximately. But they're saying these are the specific things you can do to improve. And if you think those make sense, then your trust factor for that business is already going to go up, even though you've only spent like you know maybe three minutes with them. You already um, you're, you already have that additional uh, trust. So that's kind of pretty cool in terms of the speed at which you can build that relationship with the customer and have them know that you actually know what you're doing and you have a lot of experience in the space. Now, for somebody who, let's say, you know, is a founder of a SaaS business um, and is listening to this and thinking, you know, that, uh, you know, it sounds interesting, but I'm not sure if that would work for me. Um, or, or they don't really have an idea of the type of 
calculator, interactive calculator they would build. Mm-hmm. Um, w- w- can you offer just some some general tips or ideas that might sort of yeah. help them think through how to come up with a compelling, yeah. uh, you know, idea? Sure. So there's kind of two things we always say. One is um, you you have to experiment to see what resonates best with the your audience. But when you're starting, you usually have a very good sense just by asking your sales team for their most common questions and asking your customer success and customer support team what are the most common questions they have. Those two lists of questions are going to be really useful. And, uh, you know, so you'll see that the customers, they're getting a lot of questions around quotations. They're getting a lot of questions around um, ROI and value. They're getting a lot of questions about when they're using the product. They're getting a lot of questions around, you know, um, which features should they focus on based on their business. And so you can have a, uh, an experience like um, assess, uh, assess how well you're, you know, you're doing in terms of usage or in terms of how you're promoting. So for us, it would be like we will tell people, assess how well you're promoting your experiences, your, your interactive content that you build on Outgrow. And we can then tell them, hey, you're only getting, you know, you're only 60% of the way there. These are what, this is what you should do. So that's kind of a helpful experience that usually our customer support, customer success has to, again, work with them on manually. Now we can send that to them. So those are things that are, that, are, that are great. And you'll be able to just take the top five sales and top five customer support and success. And that should generate around 10, uh, 10 ideas that you can say, you know, okay, I want to start with these three. But you'll have 10 that are uh, great candidates. That's the most common way people start. They ask the salespeople for those questions and they ask the customer success. We talked about sort of where you are in terms of, you know, 3,000 paid customers, 40 people in your team. And, you know, you and I have been talking for a while now. Um, And it seems like every time we talk, the numbers get bigger, right? So, so you, you guys are obviously doing something right and it's, it's helping you to, to grow the business. But I I also want to try to figure out what have been some of the hard things, what have been some of the challenges that kind of result in you guys losing some focus along the way or or just have experiencing some, some pain. And so I know that hiring has been a, one challenging area for you in the past. So can, can you kind of tell us about that? Like what, what has happened with you over there? Sure. I think, uh, I think sometimes the way you like to think about, it depends on the person, but like my, so my co-founder Pratham and I are both, um, both kind of thought at the beginning that you really want to focus on intelligence um, when you're hiring people. And so it was very, we very, we focused a lot on kind of, oh, we want to hire really smart people. And, I think the, um, the, the thing that people who are more math oriented, they think of management and culture as less important, especially early on. And we, 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 definitely, um, we definitely kind of uh, made that mistake. And so when we were hiring people, especially like important people, so early employees or leadership people, people who are in leadership positions, uh, we, didn't, uh, we didn't look at cultural fit as much as we should have early on. And we didn't... Uh, we didn't check enough references, so we, we just checked like a couple of references that were the people they told us to check, right? But when you're taking a le- someone who's going to be a leader, right, he's obviously going to be able to at least generate one or two people who he's worked with or he knows well who's going to say something positive about him or her. Um, but you want to do like a thorough th- review of the references and you want to really think through uh, cultural fit. Uh, and so what, what matters to you in terms of 
um, the, the attitude of the person, right, in terms of their personality, in terms of their leadership style. You know, have they led before or are they just super smart and you think, oh, they've done well in, in a, a junior role, so let me just put them in a management role because they're really smart. Uh, but that doesn't always translate well. And when you make that mistake, the reason why it's so costly is because it takes when, – when you find, identify the issue – you want to try to make it work at the beginning because you're like, oh, I think you want, you want to give the person at least a couple chances so you're fair to them. Um, and you also want to make it work because you know, you know that to replace that person is going to take a lot of time and you already have so many things going on. So you're going to – so then you know, it makes it much harder for you. You slow down. Um, you have more anxiety and more stress that the team, everyone under them who you've spent so much time building up and training is now not happy and they're frustrated and you might lose people. So there's just a lot of consequences from this one bad decision. Um, and so you got to be very careful. Um, so this kind of concept that we were, we had was like, oh, we can hire people fast. And then if we identify it's a mistake, we can move them to a different department or separate ways uh, quickly. Uh, that's, that doesn't work as well for kind of leadership positions where they're influencing so many people below them. So definitely recommend taking that very seriously and, um, and being a bit more patient, thinking about, okay, what are the things we should really look for and what are the things that matter to us so that we don't hire people who are just smart but they have no, um, no cult, the cultural fit is just really weak. What do you do now to, to assess if somebody is a, is a cultural fit for you? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really big challenge, right? Because if you ask someone, are you positive? We want to hire positive people. They're not going to be like, oh, I'm the most negative person in the world. <laughs> so you can't, you can't uh, there's a lot of things that are not easily identifiable, right? So we just say like, we, we try to just put them in situations and, and say, um, we ask them about like, you know, tell me about situations you've been in where you've had to lead someone, um, you know, what are, what are issues that have come up and how have you handled them? And they just talk about the way they think about things, talk about the way they perceive things. And you'll be able to say that they might be doing things in a right way, right, or in, in a way that makes a lot of sense, but that's not relevant, not, uh, not necessarily not relevant, but not uh, a good fit for the way you would want someone to handle it in your, in your company. Uh, and so we try to put them in situations. We take reference tricks a lot more seriously. Um, and so it's not like, oh, we're going to call the one or two people you told us to call and we're going to ask them like, oh, yo, like, so how was that guy? It's pretty good. That's not useful. Everyone's going to say right. pretty good, but that has no information to you, right? So you've got to ask smart questions when you do reference tricks, right? So, um, so that you want to, so that you can really dive deep into what are the issues? Because especially the first couple of reference tricks that you're going to talk to, they're going to say mainly positive things, but you need to dig a bit deeper to see like, no one is perfect. And that's fine. We're not saying we want to hire perfect people. We want to understand where, where the weakness is and are they these things that are, you know, inconsequential or not significant to the way we want to run or are they like super significant? And so that's where you want to get a few extra reference checks and you want to be a bit more thorough. So those are a few things we do um, with them. And then, of course, uh, not just interact with them in purely an interview setting, trying to interact with them in other settings as well, like over a lunch or um, with having them interact with other people in the team informally um, so that you can just get a sense of them when they're not under the kind of, oh, we're both sitting in front of each other and this is like a, you know, you know organized formal interview. Um, so that you, then you get to see them in different scenarios and you get to see how they, how they approach that in different settings. 
Now, another area that you, you, I know you t- we talked about was a lack of focus in the past and, and how that had been a challenge for you guys. Can, can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so this was um, definitely relevant for our venture pack business and even relevant for the outgrow business. We, we are um, very uh, passionate, you know, me, myself, Pratham, and our, especially our early hires, we were just kind of like super passionate people. And we had this kind of mentality that we, you have to be like a bit overconfident, right, as an entrepreneur. Otherwise, you, you, uh, you'll, get, you'll just uh, get too um, hung up on things and you'll quit early. So you got to be a bit overconfident. Um, but I think our, the level of overconfidence we had was too high and we thought we could do anything. Right? We thought we could um, take on every customer we, we could get. We thought, you know, we should go after enterprises and large mid market and small mid market and small business and even like freelance and young mom and pop shops and we can kind of work with everyone. And, um, and that kind of mentality is, is actually very difficult, right? So a crazy entrepreneur might be able to convince themselves that they could probably do it, uh, especially if you have like a, you, you can learn a lot and you can learn about different industries and you can learn about different types of companies and their processes. But you have to understand that you, when you, as you grow the business, you're actually going to hire salespeople. And you're not going to be able to tell a salesperson like, hey, I need you to learn everything about financial services, healthcare, insurance, e-commerce, um, sports, uh, Etc. automobiles, logistics, and you're going to have to handle all these companies. Also, by the way, you're going to have to understand how to sell to uh, these different roles because in a bigger company, you're going to have to go like to the top and then come down or go into the middle and come up and there's going to be different processes. So, oh, by the way, you have to learn all of that. And that's not possible. And so <laughs> you realize you realize the limitation that you have. And then when you start hiring marketers, they're like, wait, who am I messaging? Like, what's, who am I targeting? You're like, everyone. Or, or, you know, every marketer, every, uh, every CIO, every CTO, every chief product, every chief digital. And that's also a challenge. So those are all things that are real issues that, uh, that I think are, uh, are things that you got to understand that focus just gives you so much more clarity in terms of what you should do in product, what you should do with marketing, how you should hire and train salespeople. It's just so much easier. Um, so, and it seems like counterintuitive. You're like, I'm limiting myself. And we're entrepreneurs. We're supposed to like do what we can, especially bootstrapped entrepreneurs. You want to like take everything you can get. Um, so it's a hard thing to train. I think uh, people have told us this before, but I think once only after we went through it and actually witnessed it and kind of fully understood it, did we realize why they said that. Um, so I'm I'm still okay because when I look at your pricing plan, uh, I, I see sort of it starting out at you know the freelancer plan. And then it goes to essential business, and then there's even an option for an enterprise plan. Um, yeah. So that on its own seems pretty diverse, having to yeah. accommodate that's the needs good- of a freelancer versus enterprise. So, yeah, how, so how do you rationalize good- that? Yeah, that's a great question. So yeah, the the what the the freelancer plan has been added, uh, I think, in the last maybe eight months, like this year, uh, sometime this year, I think it was added. Um, so we didn't always have the freelancer plan which was for small business. Um, and the freelancer plan is not something we do. So you have to like the way uh, I think a lot about is like our outbound strategy versus inbound. So inbound freelancer, people can come on, they can use the product. Um, and it's the, you know, they say it's powered by outgrow and they're helping us market our product and it's mainly self-service. Um, and so that doesn't require salespeople that doesn't require one. It's just like, okay, if they want to use it, they can. 
Um, and so really what we've been, what we started focusing on was really the mid market, right? So the business plan. And that was, uh, that was what we would do for outbound and inbound. And we'd focus on that for inbound. So we would try to generate those inbound. We might get people, other people, but at the beginning it wasn't really a fit. Um, um, this is for outgrowth specifically for, for venture practice, we went after everyone a lot. Um, but yeah, so we, we had removed, we, we, we said that we wanted to remove kind of this, uh, th those that like any attention to that category cause, and only have kind of like a good, uh, like a higher price. So that was where we, where we focused mainly on the business plans. Uh, and then we added, we added essentials like soon after so that we could kind of give people something where they could go ramp up to business. So people who weren't, uh, who might have been a bit smaller, um, and they said that, you know, I want to start with something small, like experiment and then move up to business. And so that's when we added essentials, uh, which was probably like a few months down the line from, from business. Um, and so, but I would say that the, the reason, the way we've handled it internally is we've said, our outbound strategy, when we go outbound or when we do events, is we're focusing mainly on mid-market. Uh, we're mainly focusing, uh, and then in terms of verticals, our, uh, our salespeople are fo focused on certain areas. So we have like a salesperson who focuses on financial services insurance, right? And these people will, uh, will do financial services insurance mid-market. And so that's kind of a much easier focus. They're not trying to run after everything. Um, and the same for... Um, the same for healthcare, the same for um, e-commerce, things like that. So we kind of have focus on the uh, on the hiring part, and then it's mainly mid-market that they that they do. And only recently have we started to say, oh, uh, we're gonna hire, we're gonna like really start to think a lot about agencies and enterprise. Um, and so uh, that wasn't something where we like were aggressively doing. Uh, we might have done an event as an edu we do like events educationally. So we'll do like enterprise events to learn more about the vertical, maybe get a couple, but that's mainly handled by uh, me or an, a, a salesperson been with us for a while and who can handle that. And so we kind of are very thoughtful about who we're handling and why we're doing it and uh, things like that. So now that we have these different verticals, it, 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 we, they're mainly saying, okay, this is for inbound. These are for outbound and for inbound. Um, but this is what our salespeople are going to focus on. This is what our marketing is going to focus on. Right. So I, I, I think the biggest, you know, takeaway for anyone listening to, you know, you describing your experiences, don't try to do it all at once. Right. You yes. can, you, you, you can, you, you know, you, you can try to do all of it over time, but yeah. you've got to sort of, you know, break it off in, in digestible you know, yeah. chunks that you, you, you yeah. know, you and your team can handle at whatever stage of the business you're at. Sure. Yeah. I think, think you always want to think about three things. One is which industries you're focusing on, industry and territory. Two is, um, is size of business. Three is what are the axes of growth you want to have for your customers. And so our freelancer essentials, business uh, enterprise, those are just like, and these are axes on which businesses can grow um, as they grow into our business. So those are like three things you want to think about. And the timing at which you do them is very important. So like, when do you really want to build out like these axes where you have people grow into different uh, business plans? Some people don't have plan different plans. They just have the same plan, but it's like per lead, you know, you just pay per lead price. And so as you get more leads, you pay more. Um, but you want to kind of think about those things diligently before you uh, jump. It's time for our lightning round. I'm going to ask you seven questions. Just try to answer them as quickly as you can. Sure. All right. Uh, what's the best piece of business advice that you've ever received? So it would be hiring. It would be focus on hiring great leaders uh, in the firm and uh, that can promote your brand. And that's probably the most important. What book would you recommend to our audience and why? 
Um, I like Andy Grove's books, um, Hyper Management, uh, Only the Paranoid Survive, and I like, um, I like Dan Pink, Drive. Uh, what's one attribute or characteristic in your mind of a successful entrepreneur? Persistence. What's your favorite personal productivity tool or habit? I like kickboxing. I like going to the gym. Those things are just like uh, important. They help me like unwind. What's a new or crazy business idea you'd love to pursue if you had the extra time? Well, now everyone's talking about the blockchain, but I do think the blockchain is actually very powerful. Um, and so it would be cool to try to uh, build something on that that's, um, that's powerful. Um, what's an interesting or fun fact about you that most people don't know? Um, I love dancing. I've been dancing for a very long time and I enjoy it. And, and finally, what is one of your most important passions outside of your work? Well, I do like, uh, I love playing basketball. Um, so I play a lot of basketball outside of work. Uh, and then I'll dance, as I said before, I love, I love dancing. Those would be the main things. Cool. So th- thanks for uh, making the time to, to join me today. Um, for f- people who don't know the backstory on this, the reason, you know, you and I have been talking for a while. We've tried to schedule this uh, interview a number of times and for, for various reasons we have been able to, to pull it off. So I'm really glad that we were able to finally do this. Um, if folks want to check out Outgrow and, and maybe try the product themselves, they can go to outgrow.co. And if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, so LinkedIn is great. Uh, so my LinkedIn is just linkedin.com forward slash in forward slash Randy Reyes. Uh, that's R-A-N-D-Y-R-A-Y-E-S-S. Uh, they can also email me. My email is randy at outgrow.co. Awesome. Thanks, man. I, I'm really glad we did this. And uh, I wish you and Pratham all the all this best with uh, Outgrow. And uh, I'll be following uh, you know what you guys are doing over the next year or two. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Cheers. Are you still wrestling with rigid spreadsheets that slow down your team? Jotform Tables is a solution you've been looking for. Jotform Tables combines the power of a spreadsheet with the flexibility of a database. You can collect your data through customizable online forms and Jotform Tables automatically organizes and stores all the data submitted through your Jotform forms. You can also import and export files and collaborate with your team effortlessly. All changes are synced in real time, so everyone is always on the same page. But Jotform Tables is more than just a spreadsheet alternative with conditional formatting, data visualization, and more than 250 integrations, it's a complete productivity platform for your team. You can even automate tasks and workflows to save time. Ready to centralize your data, boost your team's efficiency, and take your productivity to new heights? Sign up for free at sasclub.io slash jotform. That's sasclub.io slash jotform. Do you dream of owning a profitable online business or are you looking to sell yours? Bupos.com is the number one platform for entrepreneurs and founders alike. With Bupos, you can discover exclusive listings, browse listings from other marketplaces, or submit your own deal for approval. As the first platform to offer built-in acquisition financing for qualified buyers, Bupos makes it easier than ever to acquire a recurring revenue business without personal guarantees. Their experienced M&A advisory team is dedicated to supporting you throughout the process, ensuring a smooth transaction. Don't miss out on this exciting opportunity. To learn more, visit sasclub.io slash bupos. That's sasclub.io slash B-O-O-P-O-S. Sign up today and get qualified to sell your business or find your next venture.
Hey, are you struggling to grow your SaaS business? Well, you're not alone. But the good news is you don't have to settle for slow growth. The right tools can be a growth game changer. And that's where the SaaS toolkit comes in. This free guide cuts through the noise and shows you the 12 essential types of tools successful SaaS startups have used to get to seven figures and beyond. It gives you specific examples and makes practical recommendations to help you find the perfect growth tools for your needs. So stop feeling stuck. Visit thesastoolkit.com to download your free copy and unlock the growth potential you've been missing. That's thesastoolkit.com.